Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode number three and myself and Jack, we're going to be covering all things Death Guard. Obviously, this is coming to you slightly after the release, so most of you have your codex by now, which is absolutely fantastic, but myself and Jack decided we'd let the you know, information digest a little bit. We didn't want to rush out and put a podcast because we really wanted to put out some good quality in terms of giving you guys some of our insights into the Death Guard. Also, hopefully get some games in, which we have with the Death Guard. And also, this is going to be a part one of a part two series where part two, we're going to be inviting one of our academy students on Max. And Max is an incredible 40k player and is an absolute whiz when it comes to all things sort of chaos and more importantly, Death Guard. So we're going to be looking at some of the application with Max. But in today's show, myself and Jack are going to be looking at what, why and our full codex review that you're familiar with, like we've done with the Space Wolves, the Death Watch, the Blood Angels. So um, Jack, let's kick this off, mate. Let's go for it. So yeah, let's uh, let's start with our first impressions of the book. So uh, Steve, what do you think when you took that first flick through glancing over certain bits, what was your takeaway when you got to the back of the book and what were your initial thoughts? Well, yeah, it was an interesting one for me because I'll be honest, Death Guard as an army has never really appealed to me. Um, It's just something about, I think, the aesthetic of, you know, the models just don't really, like, do it for me like some of the others do. So I wasn't, like, overly, like, you know, I couldn't wait to get my, my hands on the book and open it and everything. I think just because of that simple factor. But actually, after seeing them on the table, after diving in, looking at some lists, the army is starting to appeal to me much more. And I think solely from a rules perspective, and I must say Games Workshop have done an absolute banging job on this codex. It is just excellent in terms of, I think, the balance the play style of the army, they've really hit everything in terms of, um, you know, how the army should maybe fit with the law. Um, so I think they've done an absolute banging job on this book. What do you think? No, I, I completely agree with your sentiment there with um, balance and getting a, getting a book that really brings the army to life. It's, I was really impressed when I, when I was flicking through. I played a bit of Death Guard after Psychic Awakening dropped in 8th edition because that, that brought some great um, combos and stratagems and it made it made them a much interesting off a week codex la- last time around. But this is, it is, I love it. I love this book. I think it's incredible. And um, I think it's really picking up on the theme of the Night Edition books where they're nice and balanced. And there's none of these, there's less so of this obvious power combos in there. You've kind of really got to dig in and build a theme around your army theme about which stratagems you want to use and stacking load of buffs so the amount of combos in this book is insane it's it's great and it gives you loads of options to how you want to play your death guard army yeah so i think for those listeners that are thinking ah, oh, well you know death guard maybe they were like me not really appealing to them and i always got the impression from eighth edition the book was just a little bit boring 
like it was just a little bit lackluster. I love tricks. Mm. I love combos. And I think actually when you start to look at this book, there's plenty of it in there. And I think there's some super strong things in this book. And I think there's some other things that actually you really need to play into and you need to really build around in order to get the most value out of it, which I I absolutely love, you know, which is exactly what you want from a codex. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it's, um, I think when you glance at some stuff, you go, oh, that's not particularly good. But then you, you read one stratagem with an extra stratagem and you go, hold on a minute. If I put these two things together with this unit, that starts to become a spicy meatball all of a sudden. Absolutely. It's it, Again, it's back to that. It's not obvious. It's not like I'm going to shoot twice, I'm going to fight twice. You've kind of got to you got to you got to work for it, which is great, you know. And and, and we all love to have it. We all love to think about the game and build your lists. So I think that's what we're all after. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a fight twice, all right? <laughs> um, no. So what is it for you that, um, or you know, in general, what is the appeal with the Death Guard? I think it's you know, if you like your your Chaos Space Marines, um, you know, slow, durable, tough. Fight moving up the board, clearing anything that gets anywhere near you out of the way. This is certainly the flavor of Chaos Space Marines for you. I feel like it's a bulldozer. If it was a vehicle, yes, that's what it would yes. be. That's a better way to put it, I think. Like that um, kind of, have you seen, you probably have Austin Powers where he's just like stood in front miles away of the uh, that sort of roller, you know, the thing yes. that rolls out the concrete. And I feel like that is Death Guard right there. He's just going to roll forward and steamroll through anything that gets in its path. Absolutely. But it ain't going to do it quickly. No, no. That, and that's it. It's that trade-off with uh, real hard durability and toughness and hitting power, but you're, you're slow to balance it off. If you're fast and had all the buffs that these guys have, well, man, you'd be a scary-looking force. And there's some quicker units than others, but in the main, they are slower than their counterparts in Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines. Absolutely. And when, when you've got a book, a codex, there should be and this is why we teach on our academy about the SWOT analysis. We look at the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats. And every book should be able to fill a good amount of that section. You know, four to maybe 10 points should be written down in each of those elements because you don't want a book that's just got all strengths and all opportunities and no threats and no weaknesses, right? Because it wouldn't be, it'd be absolutely broken. Whereas when we start to look at this, there's a fair amount in each of these boxes, which is exactly what we want. And that is gives it that nice balance. But as we said, this book is certainly swaying more towards durability and uh, resilience, uh, which we're going to touch on um, in a lot more detail later on. Um, so what do you need to play the Death Guard, Jack? Nice and simple. You need your Death Guard Codex. And uh, if you wanted to, the Imper- Imperium Armor Compendium, if you were inclined to include a few forged units. Nice, nice and easy, this one. So you don't need a Chaos um, Space Marine Codex, anything like that. It's just straight yeah. in with the Death Guard, yeah? Yeah, standalone Codex, so you can get straight in with it. And it's actually, would you say this is an army that's quite easy to collect in terms of get, getting the models, getting them built? Because you built and you actually collected and built the army. We just painted it. So yes. where, where yeah. would you put it there? I know, you know, because battle, battle painter points are important. What do you think? So, um... I picked up the Death Guard army just after the Psychic Waning dropped. Okay, okay, these guys look cool now. And I thought, because of the Dark Imperium box that was the release box for 8th edition, I, was like, I thought, I, I, was like, I reckon I can get these guys 
quite easily off eBay, which I did. And I, I managed to pull together about 70% of the models through just dipping in and out of eBay, picking up good deals on units of Plague Marines and half a box here and, and there kind of thing. So that I found it quite easy to, to as that um, starter to, to get the, the initial models in and then added on a few new boxes of stuff that I wanted to add to the army, like Death Shroud Terminators and Playburst Crawlers and that kind of stuff. The, um, and uh, I, I painted a few models up before I cut, before Steve kindly offered to um, to take them off my hands and, and, and get those painted up for the channel. But I, I quite enjoyed painting them. I felt like it was it was just just like Space Marines. It's kind of a good if you're uh, starting as a hobbyist to get into and produce nice looking models. Um, and again, if you're you know a high end hobbyist, you can create some great stuff with them. And uh, exactly all this kind of st- chaos stuff. You can do lots of great conversions of things like that. The wackier, the better. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And we came up with a really simple um, colour scheme. And actually, I've asked Joe to do a full um, like army showcase review on how we painted the army. And that's going to be over on VTTV, um, which is our kind of premium service for all extra bits of content. So if you're interested in knowing how we went about painting our Death Guard army, it's going to be heading over to VTTV very, very soon, um, along with battle reports, streams, and a full army deep dive into a Death Guard list. So let's have a little chat about why should you play the Death Guard? Kick it off. Right, so I think there's only one place to start uh, at this conversation, and that's with the big man himself, Mortarian. You mean Magnus? No, 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 Mortarian. He, he, he's, he, he's the beast. And uh, unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple of weeks, uh, we all know uh, he, he's looking good. He's got, he's got some uh, some brilliant set of rules. But um, is he... Is it, oh, Steve, I'll ask you the question straight off the bat. How much of a worry is this guy to you in your play style and your kind of army? Is it, do you think he's hellishly broken um, or do you think he's he's well balanced? Do you think he's in a good place for, you know, a Primark to be, to actually see him on the tabletop on occasion? I feel like there's a few leading questions in there, Jack. So I'm going to answer this completely honestly. Um, now, I've got no bias here. Like Jack is a Death Guard player. He likes Death Guard. Um, so his viewpoint may be slightly different to mine. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you straight. Now, the internet will tell you Mortarion is broken. And there are a lot of things that make Mortarion incredibly good. And we're going to go into all of those aspects. You've got to remember that we've got to bring it back to our triad. Okay, so you've got points, you've got rules, and then you've got the missions. Okay, and it's those three things which we have to try and balance in the game to ensure that nothing strays too far out of line of where it should be. So if the rules are incredible, maybe the points need to be higher. If they play the mission incredibly well, maybe the points need to be higher, you know, so on and so forth. So when you look at Mortarion in the Death Guard army, and I am literally looking at him in a Death Guard army, because we could talk about his rules, souping him in with other Chaos stuff, potentially with Max as well. And I'll I'll ask his opinion on that because he knows chaos very, very well. So when we look at Mortarion in a sort of isolated shell, he's incredibly strong, but from a opposition perspective, you can play around him because he can only ever be in one place. And there are multiple ways to not only bring him down, but also make him inactive or ineffective. And I think the issue is, on paper, 
the math hammerers out there will think he's unbelievable. Um, but actually, in reality, when it comes to the gaming table, I think he's very good for his points cost, but I think it's exactly where it needs to be. I wouldn't say it needs to change. And I actually love the fact that we're seeing more Terry on, on the table and he's brilliant. So, um, yeah, I say good work. No, I'd completely agree. It's We want to see on occasion some of these big big models make an appearance. We want to see them in every single game because, you know, that, that would lose some of the variety that we want. But, yeah, he's got some scary-looking rules on paper, and it's new stuff as well. Like There hasn't been too many things that turn off re-rolls and minus one damage with a five that feel no pain. Um, so it is... It's quite scary and daunting because it, it's it's new. It's introducing new st- style of rules um, into the game. But as you, I think, as you said, he can only be in one place at a time, and he's a quarter of the Death Guard army in a two thousand point game. When they have expensive units in the main um, as well, so when you spend a quarter of your points on one model, you you start to run out of models quite quickly so um it's definitely a choice i don't think it's an auto include i think it's certainly a good option if he would be in the top death guard players that's out for debate and i'll let and um they'll we'll see what the top death guard armies look like in due course but um i certainly don't think it's an auto include i think it's a great option though yeah, I wouldn't like to see his points decreased, put it that way. Um, but And I think he's still a good option, even if his points were to go up, maybe like 20, 30 points or whatever. But I don't think it changes much of the dynamic of that army. I think the build looks pretty much the same. Okay, you've lost a model, maybe two if his points go up. But I think ultimately still it has the exact same function. And because he is a quarter of your army, that is a quarter less actions that your army can do. That's mm-hmm. a quarter less chance that you can do anything in terms of the game. Um, whether, you know, he can't go around um, deploying scramblers or, um, yeah, he can only sit on one objective. He can only tackle one unit off an objective. Um, but it's not him that scares me in the co- in the Codex Death Guard, put it that way. We'll touch on what unit scares you uh, in, a, in a, a bit later on. Let's, um, let's talk through some more of their abilities and things like that. And, uh, and then I might just give a bit more frame around why that unit would particularly scare you for, for the listeners. So we'll talk about some detachment abilities. And the first two we're going to talk about, I really, really like. Um, the first one is in, in called Infernal Jealousy, which puts a restriction on you can only take one Lord of the Death Guard in, um, in each detachment. So this is very similar to the space marine restriction on captains, which which is good. It's it's going to stop spamming of certain units. You know, let's take a flashback to eighth edition triple smash captain. It wasn't quite right. It it wasn't keeping with how the how the army should be played. I'm all for it as a towel player. I've been hit with this restriction for a long time, so I I'm happy to see it coming through, and it encourages more varied armies. So and that I think that's really good, and. There's another rule about deceased minions, which puts restrictions on poxwalkers and cultists. So you can only take, um, for every bubonic Astartes uh, infantry unit that you have in your army, you can take up to one poxwalker or one cultist unit to go alongside it. So we'll no longer see a, an army of 200 cultists, which was popular at one time. And um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's such a step in the right direction. 
to go alongside the rule of three to make armies look varied, I think is a knockout. Yeah, in this bubonic um, Astartes, that's a new keyword for Death Guard, isn't it? For Death Guard Marines, that is. So you're talking like your Terminators, your just regular Death Guard Marines, that's their new little keyword. And I really agree with this because the problem is if you have, you know, characters that are extremely efficient for their points, what does everybody do? They just take three of them, Mm -hmm. right? And the unfortunate thing about that is then what it does is the points have to go up. So that actually then makes those players out there who were, you know, maybe not taking three thinking, why is my, why is my demon prince costing 200 points right now? Because he's not that good, right? So I think having the restriction on it means that we could have one that's effective and pointed appropriately for having one in your army. Because as you start to spam these things, you know, stuff can get out of control, like we've seen with the Smash Captains in in those side of things like you've mentioned. So I think this is both of those are really nice restrictions that have been to make the army actually look and feel like a proper Death Guard army. Uh, And 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 if you want to run three Demon Princes, you still can. You just have to pay CP for it. So it's, it's a check and balance about, okay, I really want two Demon Princes. Is it worth spending two CP to put a patrol into this army? It's interesting. It's I think I think it's such a great move, and um, I'm all for it to keep rolling out ac- across the books to again just stopping that spam. And uh, yeah, you make a great point about points. If something becomes really efficient and it's taken in threes, ultimately it's points are going to go up. So this is just going to help keep points at a nice even keel and armies at a nice balanced pace. Yeah, absolutely. So. What do you, what's their, what's their thing? Like what is special about the old, you know, what's their another sort of detachment ability that they now have? They've got the inexorable advance. So what that is, is no negative. you tackled that word and not me. Yes. I I, I did have to uh, practice that one in my head a few times. So um, yes, what that means is that they take no negative to movement. um, And I actually will. It was on debate with someone earlier online just prior to this. It can ignore any or all modifiers to move, advance, and charge rolls. Move characteristics, advance, and charge rolls. So, for example, the minus two for going through dents, or if someone has a stratagem that takes two inches off your charge, for uh, say the grav, the grav one on the impulses and things like that, it can now ignore that which is great for a slow-moving army because if they hit a table with a load of dense terrain on, they aren't getting anywhere. So I think that's a nice touch to kind of to give to make sure they can still operate on a, a variety of different boards. Yeah, and can you just read out the bit very clearly about where you count as stationary if you make a normal move? This unit counts as having remained stationary if it did not fall back or advance in your previous movement phase. Full stop? Full stop. So what's great about this, guys? is that Games Workshop have just told us exactly what that means. You count as stationary if you follow the following parameters, which is absolutely brilliant. This kind of actually clears up some of the debate that, you know, we, or the backlash that me and you got, mate, for saying that Monkcar could, um, you know, you could fall back and shoot because their wording is completely different, right? Yep. Their wording literally just says you essentially count as stationary, but it, it doesn't mention anything about the fallbacking, you know, because it says what they're going to, I think, do is say, like they've done there with the Death Guard, if you didn't make a fallback, yeah. right? 
They'll add so, the restriction in if they need to add the restriction. If the restriction's not there, it means you can do it. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. And we can kind of move away from this whole, well, I'm going to wait for the FAQ. No. Read the rule. Let's go with it. Let's move on. So um, I like it. It's clean, effective, and to the point. But And let's look at, you know, how good that actually is. So obviously, um, Death Guard and, you know, Terminators, they still get the bolter discipline am i correct yes correct so that's stayed in this book which is brilliant so now you're double tapping with your bolt guns if you just move normally and um you know that also means and your plague marines as well yeah and your vehicles um there's no penalty for shooting those into combat right that's correct yeah so that's that's just, that's just a nice little nice little touch for shooting your heavy weapons into combat you can know that happy days Yep. And uh, I think it's some really nice benefits. So anything, this is actually a little bit like the Ultramarines. And I found that when I was reading through a lot of the books, whether it's uh, Imperial Armor, Forge World, um, anything that says if you remain stationary, you get an extra buff. You're like, hang on a minute. I'm counting this stationary. That's brilliant. So um, yeah. I remember what I used to use that technique with the Repulsor Executioner, because if you stayed still, you could fire it twice. Brilliant. So um yeah, I could move and still double tap, which was brilliant. So that's what you want to be looking for is anything that says around if you remain stationary, you get a certain buff. Start looking for it in the books, guys, and you'll see some little tricks in uh, uh, combos, no doubt. Um, so what have you lost then, Jack? So with uh, the Death Guard have lost their uh, Shock Assault ability or Anger Charge, and they've also lost Death to the False Emperor. So, um, Steve, do we need to panic about this? Or have we lost a load of attacks? What's, how have they counteracted that? So I believe they've actually built this into your profile. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, if you just, just make sure when you, and it's an important point when you're picking up a new book, you may glance over a unit and say, oh yeah, his toughness and strength is the same and things like that. But just, just make sure you're, you're just checking through each of those little statistics on that profile, because what they've done is basically rolled in those attacks into your profile for the shock assault. We, and um, I'm quite glad Death the False Emperor's gone because it gives you a buff against a certain army and I don't think it's quite right in overall game balance. So, I think, uh, yeah, I think, it, you know, having an additional attack on your profile is better than shock assault because you get it all the time. Yeah, and I really agree with you there. You don't want anything where you rock up to a game and you're like, oh, I'm playing that faction that absolutely annihilates me. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I agree. So what? let's talk more about the abilities of the Death Guard then. What What are some of the key aspects of the Death Guard? Cool. So uh, I've got four. Um, plague weapons, so they're unique to Death Guard. So what they... They come in melee weapons and ranged weapons across the army, and they have an inbuilt ability to reroll ones to wound. And that keyword also links to, to a number of stratagems as well. Very nice. They also have remorseless, which it, it modifies to combat attrition, so very similar to they should know no fear. Malicious volleys, which is bolter discipline, as per Space Marines, and they're. The, the big, the, the big unique one is disgustingly resilient, which means you reduce all damage by one to a minimum of one. Now, with everyone effectively getting the additional, all the bubonic Astartes getting the additional wound, that's great. That's a, such a great buff. It's unreal how good that is. Yeah, and I know a lot of people were crying about losing their five plus feel no pain. 
I would much prefer to go against this because I can manage it based on, you know, making calculated decisions rather than just playing Jonesy or Ben <laughs> or um, Ben Jones, that is, or playing Joe. And they just go, oh, five up save. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And again. Oh, yeah. And again, yeah. here we go. Keep them coming. I'm like, oh. So, um, no, I, I think it's brilliant um, that we take that extra part of the game out as well. So um, it's wicked. Very nice. So, Jack, what is it that you've got that's new and shiny in the Death Guard book? So, yeah, there's nice, nice, shiny new ability, Contagions of Nurgle. So basically, I think pretty much every single unit within the Death Guard book has the Contagions keyword. And what this is, is an aura, which increases as, uh, as, the, as the game goes on. Um, and when you're caught in Contagion range, you are minus one toughness. Wow. It's nasty. That is it's awesome. Nasty. It's, and I think this really starts to shine when you see it on the tabletop because the amount of wound rolls this will manipulate because uh, compared to the weapons that you're carrying is, is, is considerable. It's, it really starts to shine on the tabletop, especially when there's strats and psychic powers to increase the range of that contagion as well. It can be quite potent. Yeah. I mean, that just changes the math horrifically, right? So your bolt guns mm-hmm. are wounding everybody on threes, basically. Um, and if you're going up against something like Sister of Battle, which is toughness three, they go down to toughness two. So you're actually wounding them on twos with just a regular bolt gun. And because you're pretty much toughness five across the board, everybody else's bolt guns are wounding you on fives. So the odds on not only your resilience, but then also your damage output is massively skewed with this army, which is awesome. So uh, very nice. So um, what's this play companies I hear you talk about? Okay, so play companies, and this is where a lot of the flavour starts to come come to through into this Death Guard book to make it um, a standalone co- codex, basically. So in effect, it's almost like a... Um, chapter tactic? That's it, chapter tactic. I lost my words there. Chapter tactic. So what, so what you get is seven play companies, non-surprising there, and each one comes with its own unique warlord trait, relic, and stratagem. What's interesting here is the Warlord traits are all Contagion abilities, which you can then stack onto your Warlord. So your Warlord will have the minus one Toughness Contagion and then one of seven of your choosing on top of that as well. Cool, nice. So there's some very nice, um, you know, the, the one that's making the rounds on, on the internet is turning off um, re-rolls to hit, for example, and Overwatch. That's a very popular one, but there is six more as well to explore. Yeah, and I'm sure Max will give us a bit of a a deep dive into some of his favourite flavours and thoughts. Yeah, very nice. Okay, cool. So pretty much when you get to the table, you're like, okay, cool. You're playing Death Guard. What play company are you? What's Mm -hmm. your... And I think that's where you need to ask your opponent. What's your Warlord trait that's specific to your play company? What's the relic? What's the stratagem? Because they would have chosen that for a very specific reason and you need to know it. And that is a great question to ask any Death Guard player. Uh, the next bit is called Deathly Path- Pathogens, which is uh, pre-game weapon upgrades. It's a nice little touch. You know, it is 10 to 20 points. It gives a variety of different abilities. Each one gives plus one strength, which is quite cool. And then um, there's, there's a range of them. For example, one is, um, so you pay 20 points, I believe, plus one strength, and you can re-roll the random number of shots. Not bad on the Twin Heavy Flamer from the... Um, Lord of Virulence has just come out, or the Foul Blightspawn with his um, with his with his big power flamer. So um, it, it's a nice little touch. Just again, you can add a little bit more flavour into your army. 
And then we've got six standard Warlord traits, plus the seven from the play companies, then nine plus seven relics, 31 core stratagems, plus seven additional stratagems. They've got their own psychic discipline called the Contagion Discipline, and they've got three unique um, secondaries. Nice. There's so much, so much flavor in the book, right? It's brilliant. Yeah, you know, you might think, oh, that 31 stratagems is high, but they don't have the Chaos Space Marine Codex to lean on. That's their only source of stratagems. So that seems fair and reasonable to me. Yeah, so we're going to go over with Max in a lot more detail, like what is the real play style of the Death Guard? So let's move on, Jack, to what are some of your top relics? Give us your top three relics. Cool. So i uh, going to start with the Revolting Stench Vats which basically goes on your foul Blightspawn, which is the character that has the Flamer who previously projected a 7-inch aura of um, you didn't count as charging. So when we rolled into 9th edition, it became very strong because it was almost fight first, basically, because when you didn't charge, it goes to the defending player's turn to strike. Yeah. So they realised that I was a, a, li- a little bit too strong to, to have three of those guys in your list. So they've now converted that ability into a relic and the Blightspawn now works as a, as a Judica stock. So that, that, that's brilliant. You get access to it. So his original ability is a three-inch aura, isn't it? And then this is a relic that increases it to six and it also um, takes away any fight first as well, which is also really strong. Uh, it, it takes away all abilities for charging. So I'm pretty sure it removes away Shock Assault. On your way. Yes. In. Yeah. And Shad Savage Echoes. Plus one to wound on the oh, charge oh, with Death oh, Company. Okay. That, yeah. That, that's great. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, so that's a very good relic. Next one I've got is the Fulgaris Helm, which increases three inch to your auras, which is um, great for getting your reroll one bubbles out, pushing out your contagion, um, your plague surgeon, feel no pain bubble is a great utility pick there. I think you'll see it at most um, armies. And the last one I've I've picked out is the is the demon's toll, which goes on the um, the blightbringer, which is the guy with the the bell, which makes you move faster. He has an ability that on a two plus, no one can fall, no one can fall back. Wow, it's I'm not sure if you would put this guy in just for that. Yeah, select one enemy unit within six until the end of that phase. Each time that unit is selected to fall back, roll a dice on two plus. That unit cannot fall back and must remain stationary. Yeah, see, that's awesome. And the other great thing is that they weren't even my top relics. Great. When I looked at the book, I really like the one that increases or actually gives you exploding sixes when you're shooting, which I think is amazing, yes. especially yeah. with some of the other stacks and combos we could talk about later. So, um, and I believe there's a relic kind of flamer gun, which looks ridiculous as well, where you get like an automatic seven shots. Yes, that's one of the unique ones from the play companies. Yeah, it's very nice. So there's just so much there that um, you can build around, which is great. There's, just, there's not like any of them which you think, eh, yeah, it's awful, because they've all got some level of play depending on your build, which is exactly what we want. We don't want anything mm-hmm. broken. We don't want anything awful. So everything's got a place uh, based on the build, which is good. Okay, talk us through your favourite Warlord traits then, mate. Cool. So I've picked out two from the standard Warlord trait and I've picked out two from the play companies. So the first one, Arch Contaminator. We know, we all know, we love it. It's had a slight change from 8th uh, edition. It's now reroll all wounds in combat, 
which it was before, but they've now toned down the shooting, so it's only within 12 inches you get the full re-rolls. So I think that's still fair and reasonable. The re-rolling all wounds is such a powerful ability. So uh, I think they've, they've just drawn that back a little bit, but still a great Warlord trait. Sorry, have you got to be within 12 inches of your enemy to get re-rolls to wound with your shooting? Yes. Okay, so you can't just be re-rolling wounds from 20, 30 inches away? No. Yeah, that's fine. And then the next one I've gone for is Living Plague, which um, while an enemy unit is in three of this Warlord, that unit cannot be affected by aura abilities, excluding psychic powers. There's the money. That's a great one. It's uh, only three inches, but you can look to use the, the, you know, the full Garrus Helm, for example, to get that to six inches. So um, absolutely great Warlord trait. And then I've gone for uh, the Gloaming Bloat, which is very similar to Living Plague, but that turns off Overwatch and re-rolls to hit and wound when it's within Contagion range, so you can push that aura out to 12 inches rather than the 3 inches from the Living Plague, so you can push that out a bit more to, to affect your enemy. And then the last one I've gone for is the Droning, which, while within Contagion range of the model, again, up to 12 inches, you have movement for anyone in that bubble. Ew. You are not running away. It's it is. Uh, I think that one could be really potent. Well, savage, especially some of the armies I play. Um, yeah, and I think again, there's so much unique flavour there. So I want to quickly touch on Mortarion. He gets three warlord traits, right? And also he gets an additional one that he can pick from from any of the seven, can't he? That's correct. Yeah. So what are Mortarion's Warlord traits, because these are the ones that make him so good. So he has the Arch Contaminator. He has Living Plague, which we just discussed. He has Revoltedly Resilient, which gives him a 5 plus Feel No Pain effectively. So those are his core Warlord traits. And then he can pick up any of the ones of his choosing from the Seven Plague Companies. So essentially, he's minus one damage, toughness eight now, 5 plus Feel No Pain, with a four plus invulnerable save, he turns off auras. He also turns off rerolls, and uh, he's giving rerolls to his own friendly models. Have I got that right in a nutshell? Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's effectively a chapter master. He can target units, give full rerolls, and gives a reroll one's bubble. Ah, very nice. And he can deny three powers in cast two. So uh, the guy is an absolute beast um he hits like a truck i think he's got like a sweep attack and a sort of normal power attack so uh yeah i I just wanted to touch on that because it is the he gets three warlord traits and an additional one from the play company i wanted to quickly touch on one thing that we haven't discussed is actually the death guard um the maximum squad size went down from 20 to 10 now didn't it that was what the other significant change in the book yeah and um yeah, just put, touch on Morty's Warlord traits again. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes through for the other Supreme Commanders. You know, like you'd expect, you know, Magnus is, you know, is the same Primarch. He'll get a similar treatment. But will, like, Commander Shadowson and um, Gulliman, for example, would they pick up additional Warlord traits? Maybe. Something to think about. Um, it could be a sign of things to come. So uh, don't complain too much what Mortarian's got because you'd hope that you may get similar treatment in the future. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay, cool. So what are your top three psychic powers? Cool. So yeah, I've gone, you know, trusty, reliable Masma of Pestilence, which gives a minus one to hit. Great, great utility power. And then um, 
Protrescent Vitality for my second pick, which is plus one strength and toughness for an infantry unit. Getting your uh, Plague Marines and Terminators up to toughness six and pushing that strength. Again, going back to strength, you can increase your strength by one. You'll lower your opponent toughness by one. That's, you know, that's, you can start to see where the wound roll can swing in certain situations when you're facing different opponents. And then I've got the last one I've picked out is, is a new one, Gift of Plagues, which increases your contagion range by six inches to a maximum of 12, which can really help you earlier on in the game to push out that contagion range. Yeah, very nice, mate. Very nice. Yeah, I think it's a good summary, Jack, there of the Relics and Warlord trait. So let's talk through your stratagem or just just give us a quick synopsis of what they are um, is again, because Max, I know is going to go into a lot more detail with some of these things and really give us those stacks and combos. So uh, what are your thoughts on the stratagems? Yeah. So I think um, we kind of touched on it before, but there's, there's lots of ways to stack little one CP stratagems on top of each other to, to make something more powerful. Um, so I think it's worth considering put two of the one CP strats together and read them, uh, read it as one, and imagine it costs two CP. You might go, actually, it's worth two CP. It, some of these, I, I would, I'd recommend doing that rather than just looking at the one in isolation, and, and it might open your eyes a little bit to um, the potential combos and powers. But again, Max is Max is the man for that. Um, I'm just going to pick out a few that really jumped off the page for me now. Cloud of flies, still there, still great, still makes you untargetable unless you're the closest um, enemy. Uh, it's it's changed to 2CP for basically Plague Marines and then 4CP for Terminators. Wow. Which it sounds like a lot, but your Terminators are absolute tanks. So if you can not be shot for a turn while you're ambling up the board, that's potentially very good because it takes a lot to shift like a 10-man block of Blight Lord Terminators. Yeah, and, and they've got that medium range weapon, right? So yeah. Or close combat weapons, you really want to get them there. Yeah, nice, cool. Absolutely. They've got an Eternal Hatred, which is 2CP plus 1 to Wound. That sounds very similar to a well-used stratagem from 8th edition, so uh, I'm sure Chaos players will be uh, guessing what's, what's going to happen when they get their Codex eventually. So, now is that only with Plague Weapons, though? No, just plus 1 to Wound flat for a Bubionic mm. Astartes infantry unit shooting or fight phase. Very nice. So there is a limit on it. It's infantry only. Cool. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Um, th- there's there's a couple of stratagems that are quite interesting about exploding your characters and some mortal wounds output from your characters as well. So, yeah, I was reading for the stratagems. There seems to be like a nice few ways that you can stack up some mortal wounds. Again, it's all back to that combo stacks. Um, th- there's a nice one to upgrade spawn, depending on unit size. It costs one or two CP. You can get plus one toughness to get them toughness six and give them disgusting resilient on a fo- four wound model. So it's it's a nice little thing that you can do. Um, yep. Definitely something I'm looking at. Next one is the Dead Walk again, which allows um, Pox Walkers to regen, but thankfully not to the levels uh, they used to be able to do right at the mechanic right at the beginning of Eighth Edition. I think you can roll up to seven dice on the three plus. You can gain gain Pox Walkers back, so you can you can kind of see what Necrons are doing with moving the unit around to jump on objectives. It's got a great utility in there. So I really like that one. Next one is Dark Cravings, which allows six inches heroic intervention with a plague drone. So that's nice. You could dump one of those on an objective, say with a flesh mower, and um, and anyone that wants to walk near that objective gets heroic intervention if they, if they want to try and take it off you. Cracking for one CP. 
Yep, it's real good. Yeah, I'll drop on to, yeah, the Blightening, which is in effect the replacement of Blight Bombardment, which allows you a whole unit to throw grenades. I was expecting it to go because it was such a powerful combo if you can get it off previously. Um, but it's still it's still a good stratagem for one CP. So it allows you three models to throw grenades, but then makes them pistol six. And if you're in combat already, they auto hit. And the character still buffs the, the um, grenades as well. So it, it can still be good. You know, you get an automatic 18 shots. You're not getting the mortal wound output from it that you used to, but for good reason. It was it was outrageous before. So that's that's nice. Still a nice ability. And then I got um, virulent rounds, which can turn your bolt guns to plague weapons. And as we kind of discussed previously, there's plenty of ways to to buff up those plague weapons. So um, that's again, it's back to that combo stacking you can do. And just the last one, and uh, I was playing a, a, a um, practice game against Max, and uh, he, he used this one to great effect, Flash Outbreak. So what that does for 2CP, uh, I think it's in the command phase, you can select a unit from your army to gain all the contagions, and it increases its range by six inches. So so in effect, that, that one model in your army gains the additional contagion that your warlord has chosen. And it's, it, you put it in a set in, a, in an additional place for that turn. So great for like a little fast moving units, for example, they want to fly at the board and try and shut down your army and disrupt your uh, your game plan. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, really good and stuff. And that could really catch you out as well. So um, yeah, again, it's very interesting to know when you are going against Death Guard, what is your you know special things about the company that you've chosen because they're really really important to know very nice mate well look jack um i just want to say thanks so much mate for your good overview here and giving the listeners just a really good synopsis of some of the things that could catch them out hopefully if you're a death guard player you're extremely excited about your book and maybe we've touched on some things that you already knew but ultimately maybe some things that um you didn't know and max when we get him on in the part two of this show we're going to really dive into deep we're going to cover what sort of units you should be taking death guard and why is Maltair on an auto include we're going to be covering like the real play style of the death guard we're also going to dive into a little bit more detail into the secondaries um and then over on the academy if you are interested in signing up for that we're going to be taking a lot of a better look in the how you use those secondaries in conjunction with death guard and obviously the secondaries from the book um it's looking at some sort of army builds in typical ways that you can score reliably well to make sure obviously you're doing well at the tabletop we're going to see obviously the army in action we're going to look at some top character combinations what units you should be including with weapon selection how to deploy and more importantly how do you beat them? Um, so that's going to all be happening. Um, and obviously if you also want your, you know, bespoke feedback on your list, then, um, we can also get you signed up for the Academy for that. And, uh, we've currently got a trial on at the moment for seven days. It's two ninety nine, So a little trial period for you guys to get stuck in with. Um, and, uh, yeah, check it out, see if you like it and join the Academy. So anyway, Jack, thanks again, mate. You're welcome, Stephen. And, uh, I'll see you on another podcast because next I'm going to be joined by Max. So that part two coming up next. Today's show is sponsored by Foreground Publishing, premium pre-painted MDF terrain perfect for your Warhammer 40k 9th edition games as seen on the Vanguard Tactics stream and battle reports. Just unbox, build and play. And to order your set of terrain, just head over to 
www.foregroundpublishing.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by C Studios, the leading commission painting service for tabletop miniatures. From placing your order, seeing the work in progress and receiving your stunning new models, Siege Studios delivers an incredible service and experience. One of the most exciting days I can ensure you is receiving that parcel at the door and unwrapping the best gift ever. To find out more about getting your army commissioned painted by the professionals, check out www.siegestudios.co.uk. So welcome back to the show, guys. This is part two, and I am joined with Max Chris. How are you doing, mate? Uh, perfectly right. Perfectly happy to talk about Death Guard. Yes. Um, I just wanted to get you on, obviously, Max, because you've shown just incredible knowledge throughout your time on the Academy. You've put the work in, you partake in the lessons. Um, I don't know a student that works any harder than you do. And I know you're seeing the results for it in your gameplay. It's clearly coming across when obviously we do our interactions. And I know you've really become a point of kind of knowledge for the rest of the Academy. Um, all the students, you know, that's kind of like anyone got a chaos question Yeah, Max is your man. So, um, Max, you've become an integral part of my academy you can't leave by the way just so you know all right <laughs> thanks for the kind words yeah i'm fairly new to the hobby and i originally joined up to kickstart my learning because it can be very intimidating to get into 40k particularly competitive point of view and um bg helped out a lot here um just shaping it all into a, into a more organized learning process and i stayed on because of the community because it's a great bunch of guys and that help each other out, focus on um, providing each other competitive support. Yeah. And I remember when we had our phone call, our one-to-one call that we had, um, I remember, because obviously you said to me, actually, just even preparing for our phone call was immensely valuable because I think I made you justify absolutely everything that was in your list, didn't I? Um, and you put in the most detailed analysis and you were like, cool. So Steve, this is my list and this is why I'm running it. And, I'm, and I was just blown away by the level of detail that you'd obviously, um, you know, gone, gone into. And it just shows that you'd, you know, paid a lot of attention in the lessons, um, you know, took, took advice and also applied that with what you're, what you're doing with your own experiences in playtesting and stuff, which I think is incredible, mate. In the end, you have to run your list yourself and no list that somebody else writes for you will ever be as good as the one you've written yourself. The one you've tried multiple times to improve, the one where you considered all the possibilities, and in the end, where you justified everything and you thought about it all. This is the real learning experience. It was something that, you know, I was really passionate about including on the Academy because I just didn't want to write lists for people. And also what I want to get away from people doing is just copying like a net list by all means, use it as a point of reference. But then more importantly, if you're going to use it, try and deconstruct it and understand what was that player thinking when they designed it. So I know, Max, you're happy to share some of your Death Guard lists with us today. Um, and we're going to talk about some different archetypes. But really what you can get across to the listeners, which I really hope, and I know I know you're going to do it because I know you're going to smash it, but give across that kind of justification as to why this is a good unit. Okay, so let's dive into the Death Guard, mate. What is it in terms of their play style that you find so appealing? I simply like the idea of not losing models, of having a very durable force at its, uh, its core that marches forward stolidly and absolutely smashes um, your enemy in close combat, or rather close range maybe. 
it's not a pure fighting force, like for example Blood Angels would be. It's more of a hybrid force, but you will still want to get close and you want to endure um, whatever your opponent can throw at you until you get there. Yeah, because it really plays in all phases of the game, right? It's got a good psychic phase, you know, good shooting phase and obviously good combat. So it's certainly an army which you can play in all those different phases. And it's nice to see Death Guard have a little bit extra combat punch, which I didn't really feel like they had so much of before. So it's nice that they've kind of got that sort of extra abilities as we go into this new codex, which is awesome. So you you mentioned there, Max, some of the um, like core units and i would love you to touch on a little bit more of those as we start to build this out into some sort of different archetypes um the core keyword is it's quite rare in this codex it's more it's more similar to the necron codex than the marine codex in the sense that we have we have our terminators both kinds we have our possessed uh we have hailbrots and um then the end, we also have the contempted red from the forgewood book but that's a very limited list and um quite a bunch of effects most particularly the Arch Contaminator, demand the core keyword. Also, of course, our rerolls. So this is this is probably where you want to focus most of your attention. Which of the core units do you want to build around? And I think the um, the type that most people do gravitate towards at the moment are Terminators. Because they previously they were not particularly good. They were very limited in terms of their mobility. Um, they're still slow, but they are very viable now due to um, the, all the changes. The one that, um, for me, makes the best backbone of an army is, are the Blightlord Terminators, because they are the more defensive version of the Terminators. Point for point, they are the most defensive one that works like a hybrid unit that shoots with the combi bolters. They can take special weapons, but their axes does all right, but it will not, on their own, uh, beat any of the enemy alpha units, like, for example, Deathwing Terminators. They need help for that. And for them to be taken in um, unit sizes of 10 means that they are a very efficient target for your buffing characters. If you take them in unit of 10, they also cost, cost you about 400 to 420 points, depending on how many flails or, and or blight launchers you really want in there. So to make an exception of where we stand target, because it's very hard to completely eliminate the unit. The other, the Death Shards, um, they, are, they are more of the glass cannon, although, of course, that's considering the Death Guard Terminators, but it's two up, four up, three wounds, minus one damage taken. But point for point, um, they, aren't, they aren't more uh, survivable than, for example, Plague Marines are. What is the real standout feature is that even a unit of three is incredibly self-sufficient. They do not need buffs. Uh, they can, in their base version, still take out um, take out a smaller tank. They do per with the sweep attacks do exceptionally well against um, against any type of horde or low toughness. And um, they make the supplement uh, the blightlord terminators very well because they're also a bubonic astartes infantry uh, unit, which means they open up Poxwalker slots. The problem with going with a typical spread of, say, uh, 10 Blightlords and 3 times 3 Deathshot Terminators is that you do not have the points to really put in um, blight, um, your basic Plague Marines. You will probably be forced into taking Poxwalkers. 
cultists unfortunately don't really exist anymore in this book. The losing the obsec was just too much for them. But poxwalkers are an exceptional unit choice. And so, Max, just to uh, cut in there, and uh, I want to pick your brains a little bit more on these terminators. So, what you're suggesting is a sort of a core backbone of. 10 Blight Lords in, just to kind of pick out something you said there, they make a really good, obviously, unit for while we stand, we fight, which means that from a secondary pick point of view, it just gives you another nice option. And I think, what are some of the ways you mentioned about using some of your characters and uh, maybe other buffs? How how buffable is this 10-man unit? So what are all the stat combinations you can put on this 10-man unit of Blight Lord Terminators? The Tallyman could give them a plus one to hit which works in both phases. Then you have the option to make their boltus plague weapons, which is a significant buff if you can get them within arch contaminator range for a full reroll to their uh, to the basic boltus. We have, um, in particular, the inexorable plague company, which give, can give them the first point of AP on the boltus. We have the um, biologus beautifier, who can give them mortal wounds in the fight phase on sixes to wound, which is a very strong combination with the Arch Contaminator. Um, and of course, we have the Reaver 1 ability from a Lord. Those are just the offensive buffs. We have, the, we have the defensive buffs for a minus one to hit, for a plus one toughness. Is there a relic as well to give them exploding sixes in the shooting phase of as course, well? Of course, the Tall Keeper, um, which is a relic on the Taliban, which normally our core units are not particularly shooting, but because we can pile on these buffs on the Blight Lords, um, we have... We effectively have a unit that hits on twos, rewarding ones, and exploding sixes, which means they get uh, they get um, six more hits than they put shots in. So you're looking at 46 automatic hits is essentially what you're saying? Uh, yes. Um, the combina- what is particularly important is the minus one toughness and the inexorable trait for the, a- uh, for the AP, because this allows them to get into the range of taking down a tank just with bolter shots. This is not even taking into account the slight damage increase we get from including Blight Launchers or the Reaper Auto Cannon, which is actually a good weapon now. Very nice. So this turns them into a, into this hybrid threat, which works in the shooting phase by applying pressure. And um, yes, uh, by applying pressure, yeah. And also it gives you a nice option to, okay, I can clear Horde with this unit. I can clear some light vehicles. I can just pummel um, an elite unit into you know just with the absolute mass amount of shots with a little bit of ap um and as we're seeing like these huge blocks of necron warriors in the in the meta um was you know 46 shots which by the time you're like you said hitting on twos um and also if you get within that 12 inch range you're going to be re-rolling all wounds against that unit they're down to like toughness three so you're wounding on threes with re-rolls maybe some you know extra ap in there you're going to absolutely obliterate a 20-man unit of necron warriors which is a good what 250 points or something so um you're going to absolutely decimate some those larger units in the game and, and then it's fantastic because then you can m- go and make a charge. So I'm really seeing the benefit of having just a nice core block of 10 Blight Lords. I think that's going straight in my basket as soon as we get off the phone, mate. So you mentioned about the Death the death Shroud. I've played against these guys. I just think they're in an absolute unbelievable unit for their damage output for just three models. Um, I think when I played against Joe, three models walked into a unit of my eight Chaos Normal Terminators, picked up the entire lot, no problem whatsoever. And, um, you know, again, like 
the great thing about them is actually they're getting their mobility with the deep strike, isn't it? Because you've got these three little deep striking pods, put a unit on that objective, put a unit on that objective, deep strike down onto that one, maybe do a bit of line breaker, come in support into the backfield. Maybe you need to bring one back as a counter punch. You just got so much utility there with these small little units in for 150 points. I think they're a no brainer, right? I wouldn't say that they are no brainer. Barely any unit in this codex really is a no-brainer. What they've done exceptionally well is make uh, you take a lot of hard choices. Okay, yeah. But uh, it is certainly a very strong unit. And what is great about taking them in small squads is that they do not block uh, while we stand we fight, which is, I think, personally for me, one of the build-around options in the secondary department. Because they're only 150 points, they are cheaper than, for example, a Plague Burst Crawler which is one of the standout units in the support department. Uh, deep striking them is, of course, an option. Um, it very much depends on what you need, how, how well your opponent is able to zone out the board. But it is an option that is on the table for them, just because they are fairly cheap. They have no way to increase the, uh, to make the charges more reliable. But a lot of the times your opponent also does not have the capability to remove them from their backline. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I, like I said, I've seen this firsthand and it's just an, a, an, a brilliant, you, you know, unit. And I think something that you could definitely consider putting into a list. So you started to talk about before I cut you off, um, pox walkers. So where do these guys start to come into your list? What, what's this kind of unit doing for you in terms of a role on the tabletop? They do provide bodies. They do provide OPSEC bodies. They do provide screens. I think every list just needs the capability to be able to zone out their own deployment zone, at least have the capability to threaten your opponent's scramblers, because that's such a ubiquitous um, secondary to take. You want to have the option to just to just uh, not be too elite and not be too... Um, yeah, like not to have not too much of a skew list where your army's in one place and that's it. At least you can deny some secondaries and you're not just giving your opponent those easy options, right? Oh yes. Also, they are tremendously useful units because of their stratagems that they got. Particularly the dead walk again, which is the resurrection one that happens in your command phase. This does this does allow um, you to get a lot of extra movement out of them because typically you will resurrect about four or five which means that you move about five inches forward, which is like a second movement phase for them, which is why I often consider larger blocks of them instead of just 10, just because I do want them to survive so I can make use of this threat. And also the second one, the um, mutant strain, which is mortal wounds and sixes to hit, it is surprisingly useful. And um, a lot of people just don't expect the poxwalkers to suddenly put out around six mortal wounds from a larger squad. That is something that can absolutely swing the situation uh, on an objective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can see that. And also, if you're not going to use them or they're just going to be sat at the back um, screening out your backfield, they could also be there taking an objective for you and maybe doing actions, you know, whether they're deploying a scrambler for you, raising a banner. Um, there's so much utility there in that unit. So how many points does a 10-man unit come in at, Max? They are 50 points now. Wow. They are, they, are, they are unfortunately prevented from doing actions, except for Spread the Sickness, which is one of the new Death Guard-specific ones. Oh, okay. Cool. They fills a bit of the same slot as uh, uh, Raise the Banners does. Okay, so they can't do action, but they can spread the sickness, which is a specific Death Guard secondary, yeah? Yes. 
Very nice. Okay. That's cool. That, no, that is good. And you know, I think what you've touched on there about gaining a little bit of extra move, movement is you resurrect them. I think that's brilliant. Also resurrecting them could be real clutch in a moment where you think, okay, I just need a few more extra bodies to get my, um, over three models. Maybe let's even have got two left in the squad. You can bring them back. So then they have to shoot the pox workers before they can target characters. Maybe late game, that could be quite situationally good. Um, okay, cool. And I think for 50 points for 10, that is that's really, really nice option um, in a unit that I think you could definitely consider taking now. So um, yeah, that's nice. So where do you see maybe just your regular Death Guard Marines coming in? Is that is that an archetype you've played with or you would build around? What, what are your thoughts on just the regular Death Guard Marine? I do think that a lot of people have been very disappointed by them because uh, they had maybe had wrong expectations. The problem with Plague Marines is that they are very vulnerable to a specific damage profile, namely strength 5 or 6 at least, um, some form of AP, and flat damage 3. Yeah. Because that completely bypasses, uh, of course, um, the wound profile. But um, there are ways to play around them if you want to do that. The major thing you have to realize about uh, Plague Marines is that your opponent can only bring so many damage 3 guns before he completely skews his own list and becomes vulnerable to other lists. So what you want to do in that situation are two things. First off, you need a Plague Surgeon, the one that provides a 6 of Fiona Pain. Because of how the math works, works out, you have a 30% chance to, on, a two, on two dice to roll at least one 6. Meaning that now your opponent needs 50% more shots to clear the same amount of Plague Marines with flat damage three weapons. The problem with that is, of course, that it has a three-inch aura, which brings us well, rather, which brings us to the second point. You need enough Plague Marines. Because they can be countered by a specific profile, you want to overload your opponent's capability to, um, to fully utilize that by just flooding the board. Without about 40 to 50, I think, will be the best lists. Because going higher than that, you skew yourself or you rather have to cut too many of the support pieces. But as a, as a basic unit, they are very efficient. The Plague Knives getting a point of AP and um, the Bolters having the, again, the different buff options that we have, particularly Exploding Sixers and getting the option of AP from the Inexorable Plague Company. That is an absolute milestone for them. And they are... If you include about two blight launchers, maybe flails, depending on where you want to use them in your formation, they do become a fairly cost-efficient unit to really play around with. But I think you have to go with a massive all approach. In. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're all in, aren't you? And like you said, there, you're mm -hmm. you know you're taking the odd power fierce, you're taking some flails because then you can use those stratagems for damage to spill. Um, so this brings me on to my next question then. I'm seeing already that you've kind of alluding to a couple of different archetypes. You could go Terminator heavy with Poxwalkers, or you could go maybe just Death Guard Marine heavy. There's a lot of support characters in this book, a lot of support characters. There's obviously lots of HQ options now. Um, you've got the Lord of Virtues, the Lord of Contagion, and then you've got the the Tallyman, the guy with the, uh, sorry if I don't know all the names, by the way, you've got the guy with the bell, you've got the... Um, 
the guy that makes you fight last. You've got the plague surgeon. You've got all these support characters. Do you think a mistake could be Max taking too many support characters? Because when you read each of their abilities, you're like, yep, need that. Oh, yep, need that. Oh, yep, need that. Do you think there comes a point where you take far too many support characters and you don't actually have enough things to support where those characters become even efficient? Do you think that can ever become a problem? That is unfortunately a massive problem. And this is one of the hardest choices you can make when building lists. I'm constantly changing the support characters I have around because I'm thinking this one could do this better, but I, I'm lacking the points here now. They're all useful in their own way, um, which is, of course, a very good state for a book to be in. You don't want to have your characters to be a complete waste of points. In terms of who is the most important one, uh, I think it very much again depends on which list archetype you follow. If you want to go with heavy possessed or heavy plague marines, the plague surgeon is a necessity. Just because of how the math works on multi um, damage three weapons, you need him and you probably also want to give him some form of, a, of range extension for his aura, be it either running them as uh, the ferryman for the stratagem to increase it by six inches or to give him the Fugaris Helm to increase it by three inches. That is, I think, the only time that one of them is an auto-take. Um, the one that, is, that shows up most often is the Taliman, because the ability to generate about uh, close to three CP over the course of the game, in addition to providing a plus one to hit bonus, and the, uh, the Tallkeeper Relic is just a very, very hard to beat for 70-point character. From here on up, it really depends, though, and you can make great points for all of them. The Biologus um, has one of the... I'm not sure how much you talked about the Blightening, which is the grenade strat, because this is also one of the reasons you might you can think about to include minimum-sized Plague Marine units. Because the, uh, the Blightening is such a strong stratagem in combination with the buffing to the um, that the Biologus provides, namely, he puts your... Um, he puts them up uh, to armor penetration 1 and to damage 2. That means that now this, uh, those 18 auto-hits, or uh, maybe not auto-hits if you use it outside of combat, but this, with the correct set of buffs, you can go into the vicinity of clearing a full unit of blade guard. Nice, yeah, that sounds strong. Um, his more general utility is just providing uh, mortal wounds in the fight phase. Uh, on 6 is to wounds. Uh, which, of course, synergizes perfectly with, for example, Possessed and the high amount of attacks they have. Has that got a cap on it, by the way, Max, or is it uncapped? Oh, no, this is interesting enough. This is an uncapped... It just scales with the number of attacks and your, the rewards you get from Arch Contaminator. Wow. And this is one of the things that, of course, keeps keeps even the basic Plague Marines in the game against your typical hard... Like Deathman Terminators. Your, even your basic knife-wielding maniacs can put out 30 attacks with, with Trench Fighter to give them an additional one. So at that point, when you're rewarding once, well, now you're talking about 10 mortal wounds about. It's hard to overstate how much an effect this can make for your regular Marines when fighting against heavy elite infantry. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. And we haven't even spoke about the guy that can make you fight last and lose all your charging bonus. And that's the guy that scares me most as a combat. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, you know me, Max, I love combat. So anything that takes away all my charging bonuses um, and makes me fight last is a big problem for me. So um, yeah, touch on what 
he can do? And is there any ways to buff him as well to make him even, and actually I'm not even sure you should tell people, maybe you should just keep <laughs> it under wraps, Max, but go on, tell, tell the guys. The Foul Blightspawn in the base version works like a Judiciar now, in the sense that he picks at the start of the fight phase, one enemy within three inches to fight last. The problem with that is that um, as Death Guard, you're constantly looking for ways that you can get extra movement out of your charge in fight phase. So it can be very hard to keep your Foul Blightspawn within this three-inch bubble to protect the unit that you really want to protect. So I don't think that his base version is truly the most exciting thing. Where it, where it does really shine is the is, um, Revolting Stenchbats Relic, which has an incredibly complex effect now, in the sense that it doesn't happen a sp at a specific point in time, but rather if a unit is selected, um, if a unit is within his aura, it doesn't count as having charged, which, for example, uh, means that it can pile into any unit and fight, because it doesn't. Uh, there are no restrictions on only having to fight the units that you charged, because you did not charge. You do not get any bonuses for charging, for example, the Blood Engine Super Doctrine, or the White Scar Super Doctrine for a plus one damage. Um, and of course, because we revert to the normal order of um, fighting um, operations, the unit, uh, the player whose turn it is not, picks the first unit. The problem is that I found is that it's a six inch aura. There are multiple ways that uh, you can get around this. And one of the weaknesses of Death Guard is, of course, that you can very easily build an invincible Death Star. But, of course, as a good Blood Angel player, for example, what would you do? Ignore it. Exactly. Because our invincible Death Star moves about six inches, if you take the support character, it just doesn't have the threat range. Yeah. So this is a bit of a problem with him. I found that in my task games, People just ignore the Blightlord Terminators. And even though I had this guy to protect him from all those nasty combat threats, it never came into play because people already ignored the big blob of Terminators. There's still a lot of uses for him. Um, but for example, a fight last ability from a whirlwind, that would just counter it because you cannot be selected to fight. So even though I pick the first unit, I cannot pick, uh, I cannot pick my big block of Terminators. Yeah. And is there any ways, you mentioned earlier about the ferryman, could you use that to increase it or does it not work in conjunction with one another? Oh no, that, um, this just buffs um, an aura. That you pick a okay. model and you select an aura and it increases it by six inches. This does make it tremendously useful, I will grant you that. The only disadvantage is of course that you're locked into the ferryman. Um, so if you wanted to run any other play company, now you're bad out of luck. The ferrymen though make for a great secondary patrol detachment where you just include, for example, the foul blight spawn, um, just primarily for this uh, for this utility. Because the foul blight spawn does not care about your plate companies, you can just extend its range and live happily ever after. Because twelve inches, of course, four times the area to cover, that is a tremendous increase. And that's um yeah strong. So. What I've sort of gathered from there is that all the characters are good in their own way and it really depends on the sort of build you want and play with. My advice would be, guys, if rather than trying to take them all, I would take one and I would test it. And I would in that game think all the time, every turn, how am I using this you know, character correctly? W would he be better off placed somewhere else? If so, I'm going to make a mental note of that. Maybe test his character again. Maybe test him in a slightly different list. And then in the next test game, 
either change the parameter or change the support character you're testing until you feel like, okay, maybe it's this combination of one or two characters that are really going to help my army, you know, play in the way I want it. Would you agree with that advice or would you say, Max, take them all and see which one's best? What would be your advice? As you cannot take them all, and I think probably choose the correct number. What I did, for example, because I was initially very skeptical about the bellboy, the Noxus Blightbringer, because he only really gives plus one inch movement. What I did was to constantly think about where would I be with one inch more? And the simple answer is, he is very useful. Because your army moves so slowly, that one inch, it really makes a difference. And it made me completely reconsider him and playtest him in other games. Well, I suppose in a five-turn game, you're going to be an extra turn ahead of where you would have been on a unit, aren't you? Oh, yeah. But another way to frame it is on turn two, you get a plus two uh, charge bonus. Yep. So that, of course, increases your threat range by a whole lot. Yeah, nice. So you're you're going with Max there, from what I'm gathering, go with a couple test it out, see if it fits, and then, you know, adjust from there, which is exactly kind of what all good scientists do, right? Test, repeat, test, repeat. Okay, cool. So we've got a couple of different archetypes there. You've mentioned some supporting role units. So I would like you to cover some of the supporting role characters of us, all right? Not characters, sorry, um, you know, support units. Um, you've mentioned the Plague Burst Crawlers, um, the Flood uh, Blight Drones. So where do these units have some have some play because obviously they don't have the core keyword um you know so yeah i would yeah love to pick your brains a little bit more on that because i love defilers max and if there's a way for me to get defilers <laughs> to work i'd love it so uh yeah enlighten us what a plague push quarter for example does is it closes a real gap in the army which is a for example inability to punish glass cannons um retributors are a hard counter to our army on so many levels. Those multi-melters really hurt, whether you run Matarian, whether you run a Blight Lord list, multi-melters hurt. So what a Plague Bush Crawler gives us is a ranged capability to trade for them and also to make your opponent uh, behave differently. For example, put units in reserve that he previously would not have reserved because the mortar is, of course, a non-line-of-sight weapon. So having two Plague Bush Crawlers we all, if you if you play with them, you know they never do what you want. Whenever you really need them to take out the unit of Repentia, they always roll a one. It's just the way it goes. It's a law of nature. But of course, your opponent does not notice. Of course, in that specific situation, you could roll a six for your number of shots. And this is the real psychological effect. And I think perhaps even more valuable than the damage it actually provides. Um, what it does is, in conjunction with good secondary picking, is that it puts a lot of pressure on your opponent to come to us. Because he gets he gets bombarded, because he loses maybe a unit of intercessors per turn, it takes a hard man to really sit back at the, end, at the end of the deployment zone and just wait it out. So this is one of the units that really closes the gap, and I'm primarily talking about the version with the Entropy Cannon, because it now has become a very serious long-range support weapon and the, our most efficient one at that. So would your advice, Max, be to you know just take one as a bit of a threat? Would three be too many that we saw in the past? Where do you think the sweet spot is if you are going to take Plague Burst? Is it two, just so if one kind of has a bit of a whiff, you've got a bit of a uh, reliability in another? I think purely as a long-range threat, um, you don't quite get enough out of them. If you do include them, 
ideally you would want to make them while we stand targets. Because there's just exceptionally tanky with toughness 8 and 12 wounds. That's just a great profile. So they make for perfect while we stand targets for it. Uh, I think 2 is probably the best one. And in my list, I like to run them uh, in conjunction with the big blob of Blightlords. So I have this 10-man Blightlord Terminator group. That is a while we stand target. And these two Plague Burst Crawlers that just sit at the back, hold my objectives, help me with deep strike screening. Maybe if there's a lot, maybe if there's a lot of damage on the table, I just hide them and just shoot the mortar for the first two runs. Um, three is interesting because now we come into the uh, into a very interesting territory where they can take out enemy tanks. Like for example, you have a good chance of popping a rhino with retributors inside, for example, or taking out a, uh, a manticore and win kind of win the artillery duel against guard. As, as there are good arguments for both. I think most commonly we will see two. Okay, yeah. And I think that's kind of, like you said, playing around a big block of, um, you know, Blight Lords, or maybe you're taking Morty instead of the Blight Lords, because obviously you're not going to have points for all of this stuff. <laughs> um, and then maybe with some sort of MSU-style um, Plague Marines to obviously keep their points cost under that threshold so that while we stand, we fight as an option. I like it. Okay, so what about the... Um, is it called the floated bloat drones? What what can they do for your list? Floated bloat drone. There we go. <laughs> same same thing. We we said the same thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, the uh, the most interesting version is the one with the flash mower, because it synergizes so well with the six inch heroic intervention threat, and it does something that we previously struggled with and still struggle with, which is removing obsec from objectives, kind of independently without overcommitting. We don't want to uh, to move our 600-point death castle just to kill like the three incursors that somehow survived in an objective. The blowtone is perfect for it. And this is, it feels a real niche uh, because it's killing enough to, uh, to have an effective shot at taking out nerdlings, an effective shot at taking out a group of incursors. The other utility that they bring is to be good targets for the flash outbreak to apply our contagions. Yeah, Jack was telling me about this, how you used it in his game to, to some really good effect. So how were you doing that? And I think these are some you know top tips that if you're a Death Guard player, you could certainly lean into, or maybe you're playing against Death Guard like I am a lot, maybe you need to watch out for it. So uh, what, what is this sort of strategy you speak of, Max? Normally, the, your company contagions, which are the important ones that you touched on, for example, getting extra point of AP, shutting down all rerolls, halving their movement, they are a contagion that is limited to your warlord. Typically, your warlord will be on foot and he he will not get there. They are a bit of a disappointment on your warlord themselves. The real utility they have is to use the stratagem where you copy them onto one of the units from the same play company. You do this in your command phase and it costs 2 CP. And having a fast unit, being this Fated Blood Drone, the um, Greater Blight Drone from the Forge World Book, which is less fighty, but moves quicker with 14 inches, or having a cheap flyer like the Hellblade. These are all good options because they are comparatively cheap and you can push them forward and to get this increased aura, uh, to get this increased contagion range. So these are the ways you, that you will really see these contagions come into play. No, I can, de I can definitely see that is because what you're doing there is you're putting that unit in a position where you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to make your toughness lower. So now I can put my 
you know, 30 inch plague weapon, 40 shot bolt bolters from my death star of, um, terminators into this unit. And also then you can maybe turn off their auras for whether they're, cause there's lots of different auras, whether it's a feel no pain, whether it's a, uh, invulnerable save aura, maybe it's a plus one to their save or Harlequins minusing six inch range or, um, minus one to wounds. So there's loads of different things that you could utilize that unit for just to make sure you're, I suppose, Playing the odds in your favor, right? The turn off aura is a warlord trait called Living Plague, and that is limited to the warlord and within three inches of him. Uh, so that's not a contagion one. Uh, no, the contagion one is shut down Overwatch, shut down set to defend, and um, the units within contagion range cannot re-roll to hit and to wound. Uh, okay, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, I I miss you know. Well, I've learned something new there because I just assumed that one was one of them. So um, yeah, there's quite a lot of different interactions, isn't there, between what's a warlord trait and what's a, a plague ability. So um, yeah, I think that's cool. This book generally is a highly complex one. As in, you have to pay a very uh, high amount of attention to which one of your units has which keyword, which units has, for example, the plague company keyword, um, your um, your cultist for, or your care spawn would not have them, for example. You have to pay attention which one is Bubonic Astartes. For example, this is the one that gives you uh, access to your detachment ability. And our uh, demon engines, for example, do not have this. So they do not profit from inexorable advance. And certain units like Cultus or Motarion or Typhus do not have the Plague Company keyword. So they cannot be affected by certain uh, stratagems, by certain uh, buff characters. Yeah, nice. Mate. I think that's um, a really good way of obviously just just reconfirming to people that you just can't pick up Death Guard and expect to win with it. It's an army that takes a lot of practice. You're going to get some things wrong. Um, and if you're playing against Death Guard, ask questions because you're actually going to help the Death Guard player make sure you're, you know, they're playing the game in the right way as are you. And you're going to learn a lot more, I think, with the more obviously repetitions we get in with this. So Max, um, if you don't mind, some of the secondary picks, what are your kind of favorites, any secondaries that you think the army plays well with, um, or any of the Death Guard specific secondaries you think, okay, this is a really good one, which I'm probably going to lean into a lot of. The way I like to think about secondaries with Death Guard is that I want to be in a winning position by doing nothing, because that's a very comfortable place to be in. So while we stand is the one that I build most often around. Another in the same category is, of course, grind them down, because particularly if you go with um, the bigger blobs that your enemy will have to, in some way, shape, or form, interact with, you can and will most likely get a good score, like three, maybe four turns of grind them down. In terms of the action, uh, the shadow operations category, we have. It's quite problematic because our uh, we don't want to include cultists and our pox walkers cannot, for example, raise banners. We don't want our, our big block of terminators, for example, raising banners. We oftentimes want to want to advance them on the first turn. But what is interesting about banners is that our, all of our characters are capable of doing it. This is the major difference to scramblers, of course, which um, has to be a non-character unit. So banners, um, I think if you take, for example, two um, two characters in, and you do not care about their auras being turned off, for example, Noxious Blightbringer, the bellboy, his aura 
in his aura works in the movement phase. So at the end of the movement phase, you do not care whether his aura is turned off until the end of the phase. Yeah, nice. So those can uh, those can play spells. And the dream of and the dream would be to have um, while we stand and banners, because this already puts us in a very strong secondary scoring position. If our opponent does not interact with us and comes forward and tries to take them down, particularly if he picked a an aggressive one, like for example, yeah. seeing all the support characters picking assassinate, now he has to come to us. We are in a, we are in a winning position. Um, and this is also what makes um, one of the new ones very interesting, the Spoiled Ground. It sits in the same category as Engage and Domination. So that's already a very competitive category for a secondary to be in. What Engage normally is, uh, normally is quite a difficult one, because we do not have many units that can achieve it in turn one. There's only two Forge World units that can get over there. Our drone needs a five or six in advance. So that's a bit problematic. We don't have defeating units to achieve this easily, like for example, demons can do, by just pushing a unit of Nurglings over the line. We have to commit to this. So the way that Dispoid Ground works is you have a lot of conditions that have to be fulfilled at the end of the game. For example, being within nine inches of all the objectives on the map, which is doable. Um, and it's very hard to completely shut this one down. I think even in a, unless you get tabled, in which of course we get zero points, but um, the advantage of the secondary is really that you do not have to think about it. You do not have to prepare for it until turn three. Turn three, you want to start thinking about which unit moves where. How do you, for example, get in all table quarters? How do you get in within nine inches of that objective in your opponent's deployment zone? But it, once you have a plan for it, and then it's a very strong secondary scoring one. And again, it fits in perfectly with this, um, with our strategy of making our opponent come to us. Because it's a secondary that we do not have to play, we don't even have to move forward really until turn three, for example, on, on many of the deployment zones. So this really leads into a, very well into a defensive playstyle. Where you, for example, have your two plague burst crawlers that motor your opponent into activity, and you have the secondary that puts you into a winning position. As death cards, you will have a very hard time denying your opponent early primary. We will, if we don't have these defensive secondaries, it forces you to play aggressively. Yeah, nice, mate. No, I think you've done a great summary there of uh, essentially how this Death Guard really wants to play very defensive, relying on your opponent to make the error, coming at you. Maybe if they overextend, you can sort of pick them up on those. So uh, honestly, Max, I think you've done a fantastic job um, in not only going over some of the core units, some of the build archetypes, you know, we've covered support characters. Um, obviously myself and Jack spoke about a lot, you know, about Mortarion and it seems like you know, for you, maybe it could be okay, but you like some other builds, which is brilliant as well. And I, it's just showing the diverse, uh, or the diversity in this book. So Max, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming onto the show, mate. Um, you've done, you've been exceptional. This is your first time on a podcast, I know. So, um, I think you've come across brilliantly. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot about Death Guard. Uh, so Max, 
number one, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, mate. Thank you. That's been great fun. No, I've honestly, I've really enjoyed it. And also Max, thank you so much for all the support you give all the other students in our community on the Academy. Um, like I said, you're an absolute rock. You're a foundation now. Um, you can never leave um, because uh, yeah, you are an absolute integral part. Yeah. Anytime. It's always, for me, it's always great fun to talk about this, especially to talk about chaos, which is precious, very close to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Max, I'm going to put your, your notes up on the blog page for people to check out and also some of your lists that, um, you know, you can maybe share, you don't have to share them or maybe one or two, um, that you think people can have a little look at as a bit of an idea, but Max again, thanks so much, mate. And, uh, all you guys that are out there, I hope you've enjoyed this show. Hopefully it's given you a really good in-depth knowledge into the new book of death guard. Also, we've obviously given you some application and if you did like the show, please, please, please give us a review. And uh, leave us a comment on whatever you listen to us on, Spotify, um, Google Play, iTunes, wherever it is. Um, And if you did enjoy it, share it with somebody that you think would also get immense value from it. So once again, guys, thank you so much. Thank you to all of our show sponsors, uh, because without them, this whole thing wouldn't even happen. So um, until next week, take care, guys. And uh, yeah, enjoy the Death Guard. See you later.